Yeah, I, I, I think we need to discern more. I think we need to listen more. Uh, we need to be open. And we need to trust a little bit more that the Spirit will lead us. Maybe it's over bumps and valleys and all sorts of things, but will lead us to a better place. We've got to trust that. We've got to believe that. And I think perhaps people in leadership, myself included, we're scared of that. Hey? We're, we're afraid of those things. We want to have the answers. We want to make sure it works. We don't want to upset or hurt or go down the wrong path. But I think I think the example of the Holy Father with the Synod is calling us to, to, um, to risk a little bit more. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Welcome back. And if you're joining us for the first time, really glad you're here. Before we get to our guest today, I want to let you know that we're going to be hosting an online event on the 15th of February, 2022, for associate priests. Associate priests have particular challenges to manage. The seminary doesn't teach seminarians how to be an associate. They teach them how to be pastors. And as a result, many of these great men go through a season of trial and sometimes even disillusionment. So if you're an associate priest, you're going to want to head over to ronhuntley.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up for the latest news, and you'll be notified when registration opens. If you work with an associate or you know an associate, send them this podcast. Now let's get to our guest today, Father Brett Williams. He's from South Africa. He's a parish priest who's leaning into mission. He's also the chancellor of his diocese in Durban. He brings both a diocesan and parish perspectives to the issues that he wrestles with. You're going to appreciate his candor and his passion. Enjoy the episode. I met our guest today, Father Brett Williams. Uh, It feels like about a year ago as we were doing this cohort learning environment. He's from South Africa, and it's a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Father Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. It's great to be with you far away, but uh, close together through this technology. It's always wonderful to connect with you like this. So great to see you and uh, speak to you and great to be with you. We were just saying this before we hit the record button that he's finding it really hot there. And of course, in Canada, certainly out west, they're dealing with minus 50 Celsius temperatures right now. So we really are on the opposite ends of this beautiful planet that God made. We are indeed. It's incredible to think that people are all bundled up and shivering in snow. We're absolutely dripping here. So, but it's, yeah, that, as you say, is the wonder of God's creation. uh, And the fact that we can be with one another is also part of that creation, isn't it? It's it's, uh, It's it's so diverse and different, and it's wonderful to be part of it. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And what's so funny, and I find it so unique, and this is what I loved about doing some work with you and and the other priests that joined us uh, from South Africa in that cohort was that our, our temperatures might be different. <laughs> we might be on the other side of the globe, but our, our involvement in our Roman Catholic faith and the problems we face 
although nuanced and, and culturally, it may be a little bit different in some degree, but the underlying root problems uh, I found were very similar. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Ron. I think that, yeah, culture, language, um, all those things in some ways make us different, diverse. Um, but a lot of the issues surrounding um, our work, our mission, our, our proclaiming the gospel, our building community, those things seem to be very similar, whether you're in Canada or uh, Cape Town, South Africa, or Durban, or the Philippines. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think there's so much that does unite us. Good, of course, and bad. Uh, opportunities and challenges. I, I think there's so much of... Um, of those different things that keep us together and we can learn from one another and grow uh, with one another as we try to work them out and find the best way forward. Um, so yeah, things are different, of course, in so many different ways, but I think there's far more that unites us and that we can work together on um, than, than, than we imagine sometimes. So yeah, I, I, I remember going through that cohort with you and some of the crazy priests here in Durban. They are great. They are crazy. We had great fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, nice guys. We laughed more than we did anything else, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it was such an eye-opening experience for, for all of us. And I, I think you learned and grew from the experience as well. So, yeah, I've I, I benefited from from that tremendously um, and it's it's driven and helped me in my ministry and my work here in the Archdiocese of Durban and my parish enormously um, yeah those were good days eh? <laughs> they were a ton of fun you guys were crazy the way you guys went at each other was so funny I loved it for yeah, like real wonderful brotherhood and and I love the honesty of the comments of some of the other guys who, mm. you know, came probably because of your invitation, not so much that they thought they're going to learn anything or get anything out of it. And they're really challenged by some of the topics that we discussed. Mm. And, mm. and yeah, it was wonderful to see them wrestle with that. And then also to be just so honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I I'll always find that refreshing and, and, and yeah. it makes what I do worthwhile. Um, tell, tell just for our listeners, how long have you been a priest? So I've just celebrated 16 years of priesthood on the 16th of December, hey. <laughs> 16 years. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> it seems, That's your champagne anniversary, isn't it? 16 years on the 16th. Every so. anniversary is a champagne <laughs> anniversary, Ron. Um, if you've made it through another year, you deserve another bottle. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I am. Yeah, so 16 years of uh, a priest, I was, I suppose, what they call a late or mature vocation. I was a lecturer at um, a technical university before I, before I entered the seminary. So I'm uh, 52, but uh, yeah, only 16 years a priest. But I, you know, I never regret those other experiences that I had before I was a, a, a priest. And I've, I've, I use so much of that being at university, um, be, uh, working, um, knowing what it is to save money to buy a car and to to 
pay the rent. Um, mm. Those were all wonderful experiences that I know inform my ministry and uh, help me to engage with with people who who battle or struggle with those things every day and will for the rest of their lives. Mm. So yeah, so 16 years a priest and um, eight and a half years. So nearly you know more than more than a half of it as the chancellor of the archdiocese of durban i think i'm the longest serving chancellor in its history and so it's just as well your listeners our listeners are not viewers they can't see my bald head which is a result of, <laughs> of the stress and strain of being a chancellor um, yeah so well, uh, eight and a half years as the Chancellor of the Archdiocese, um, which is which has had some wonderfully uh, eye-opening um, moments for me, uh, challenges. Mm-hmm. And as we were saying before, we we hit record. You know, the challenge of of dioceses um, and working with clergy, working with bishops, um, trying to to get a focus and a vision and an energy within the diocese. Um, mm-hmm. And as you were saying, you know, those challenges also are universal. Those challenges and difficulties that bishops face, um, we see here in South Africa, here in Durban, as much as you were, you were saying you see in other parts of uh, Northern, Northern America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that, that's, been a, that's been a really good experience. I'm hoping that this coming year, 2022, will be my last year. The new Archbishop has, uh, has uh, renewed my, uh, my time as Chancellor till the end of July, 2022. I hope he will not renew it. So please pray <laughs> for that, Ron. <laughs> Okay, all of you listeners, get on your knees right now. Pray for <laughs> yeah, Father exactly. Brett. He's released from his responsibilities at the diocese. Were you doing that full time, or were you doing that while you were a priest, or yeah, or, so sorry, I, with the parish? Yeah, well? with the, with the parish here, Ron. So <clears throat> I, I'm in the parish right next door to the chancery and the bishop's house. Um, we we knocked a a hole through the wall and created a gate so that I don't have to go all the way around the block. I just <laughs> don't want to get too much exercise. <laughs> no, not too much exercise. Um, um, so yeah, um, I work there in the mornings, really most, m- most mornings. And, um, and then in the afternoons, really evenings in my parish, I have an assistant with me, a young chap. He's well, the one I have now is, is my third assistant. So they sort of come to me, put up with my craziness for as long as they can, and then most probably uh, go screaming to the archbishop to be <laughs> removed. And so, no, it's good. It, it's a wonder. I love having the younger guys in. They're usually newly ordained. Chaps. So those associate priests? Yeah, yeah. They, we we call yeah, them assistants. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, associates okay. or maybe the old fashioned word a curator um so they they come and it's good um they've been exposed to all sorts of different things and um uh, they get a sense of finding their feet a little bit with us so they're Mm. here with with me and because i'm away in the morning in in the chancery they also get some responsibility and authority you know father's Mm. not always there you know, sometimes they've got to make a call without 
being able to get hold of Father Brett. Mm. Um, and, th- and that's good for them. It, it teaches them a bit of responsibility. It brings a bit of maturity and thought and things like that. Um, so, yeah, so I do sort of like half-half almost, um, Ron. It's a, it's a challenge. I don't really like that. Uh, but it's, I think, a common experience of many priests around the world. Huh? We've yeah, so is. many of us wear multiple hats. So I, 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 I suppose I shouldn't complain too much. <laughs> but it is a challenge <laughs> trying to switch between um, the things of the diocese. Uh, and in my role, those are mainly financial, legal, uh, human resources, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to switch from that to then uh, a more pastoral outreach sort of thing. So it, it has its challenges. So, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it's interesting. I know this year in 2022, I'm going to be doing an event for associates or assistants or curates, uh, because, you know, one of the things I realized, and this has happened, I've interacted with a lot of associates over the years, especially in my time at St. Benedict, they they would come there and um, visit. And it's not uncommon for people to have a less than optimal experience in their season as an associate or Mm. an assistant. Mm. And that can really stifle the passion, their faith, their hope. They can go through a season of dis, um, disillusionment coming mm-hmm. out of the seminary and into mm-hmm. the, and 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 I was off, I often get people say to me all the time, Ron, you should be teaching in the seminaries. You should be speaking to the seminarians. And I, I think I get what they're talking about, but what I would say in the seminary, I don't know, would be what people think I would say in the seminary. <laughs> um, I would be trying to get them ready to survive being an associate or an assistant, mm. because that is not easy. No. And oftentimes bishops put these young fellows in places that aren't necessarily in their best interest. Mm. Um, and they struggle because the people that they connect with don't understand leadership. They don't understand how to support people. They don't know how to have Mm. crucial conversations. They don't know how to invest in people consistently and regularly. They don't think to ask what the other person's needs are and how their impact is on them. And so, you know, plus you get the living arrangements on top of that. It's a, it can be a nightmare. And so that's one of the things I look forward to this year because I want to help these associates or assistants make the most of this experience, change their paradigm enough so that they don't become jaded during this season, which is supposed to be learning. Mm. But in some cases, it feels more like hazing. Uh, and <laughs> it can really be a difficult, because we're so unintentional about it. We're yeah. so unintentional about it. And I want to help. Yeah. Um, I want to help make sure that those guys get from post-seminary to being made a parish priest ready to be on fire and make the biggest difference possible. And that's not all. Sometimes they feel like they just have to endure this very difficult season of life. And I just think that's a shame. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Is that accurate in your area yeah. of, neck of the woods too, or not so much? Yeah, I think so. As for us here, generally we're not assistant priests for very long. We here in the Archdiocese of Durban, the numbers of clergy are growing nicely. Fortunately, diocesan clergy are growing nicely, so we we're doing quite well. We've got a nice 
crop of younger priests that have come through. Um, nice. And generally, they're, 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 they're assisted or in a parish for about two to three years before they either have another kind of experience or they go out on their own if they're if they're if we sense or judge them to be able to do that. But you know, Ron, yes. when I was I was an I was an assistant for nine months, so I, I mean I didn't have time really to learn anything. I was sort of like, and 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 two of those nine months, uh, my parish priest wasn't there. He was in another parish, and he hadn't yet moved to take over the the position in the so I was the assistant with no parish priest so I was the parish priest effectively for two months and then I was only there another seven months and then whoops I was sent out to a completely So you can't relate to what I'm talking no, about at all. at all. No, it's all foreign to me. But you know what I when I was when I'd been moved from assistant and I was given my my first uh, uh, parish as uh, parish priest it's a very rural Zulu uh, mission. There's four outstations, um, little little parishes that are t- associated t- together and um, connected to one another with one priest. Um, it was a huge learning experience for me because a foreign, you know, well, not foreign, but, you know, different language, not my ho- home language that I wasn't very good at. So I had to learn how to be better in that um and to be in a rural setting i come from i come from a city environment um uh yeah it it was a huge learning experience and my spiritual director advisor at that time a wonderfully wise old man uh, a religious priest an oblate of mary immaculate said to me one day he said you know brett I was telling him, I don't know what's going on with this priesthood thing. <laughs> it's, it's like crazy. He said to me, you know, Brett, he said, it's like getting a new suit when you're a youngster. It's big. It hangs down past your the tips of your fingers, you know, and it, it's pulled in by a belt around your middle. And, you know, you've got to roll up the, the trousers and you're sort of like swimming around in the suit. And he said, but over over time, four or five years, you sort of grow into that suit. Uh, you put on a bit of weight, you grow a little taller, and suddenly the suit that was way too big is now fitting better. And he said, that's really what the first five years of priesthood are all about. And I think I've lived with that image, and I think it's so true. And all the uh, young priests that have been my assistants here in the parish, I've seen that. I've seen that, that how they, yeah, they've got the ideas from the seminary, although I'm not entirely sure the seminary does a wonderful job, but let's not go down that pathway. Um, I don't know if they they really equip them for pastoral ministry and life in parishes, but yeah. Um, but you can see these chaps who sort of grappling with what it means to be a pastor, a priest. Um, and and you can see them at, over time sort of settling into it and filling in um, 
what it means. And, and that is mm. truly a wonderful experience. Um, but it's so much more than all the theory, hey, Ron, as you're saying. I mean, it's, it's about leadership. It's about the challenge of, um, of ministering, especially in this COVID kind of world and situation. I mean, you still see, still see priests and seminarians and young priests haven't grasped the fact that the church, the world, post-COVID, is a completely different world church that they went into, that they imagined, that they thought they were going to serve. So I think those sorts of real challenges for, for our younger clergy are enormous, and they do need mentoring. They do need somebody to 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 really speak straight and and maybe sometimes a bit you know a bit um, harsh to them you know to to yeah. shake them out of this sort of like oh well we just potter along and yeah yeah you know it, they, well, imagine yourself imagine yourself. Having learned about divine renovation, this whole idea of going from maintenance to mission in the seminary and understanding principles of leadership and how they need to be lived out if we're going to transform lives and, and, and lead in ways that have sustainable fruitfulness. And then you get stuck three years with some of those priests mm. who don't seem to give a rip. Mm. That mm. would be torture like imagine yeah. with your passion your vision your ability to grapple with these concepts and want to make a difference as an associate we're going to stick you with somebody yeah. for three years and say hey you're going to grow into the suit eventually yeah just just don't worry about it yeah. that's three years of hell absolutely and you know this this is something ron i'm, I'm sure it happens in other parts of the world um i i wonder sometimes how much thought or how much care and consideration goes into from the diocesan perspective to identifying the gifts and the talents of priests. You know, so often I get the sense that, you know, they're just trying to uh, put a, a round peg in a square hole. If we've got a warm body, it's standing upright, it's breathing in that parish, that's good enough. But that may not be the best place for that man. And in fact, that man may not be the best priest for those people. And I, I don't know how much real thought and care and reflection, and uh, the word Pope Francis uses such a lot, discernment, goes into that. And so, Ron, if we were doing more of that at a diocesan level, um, if the vicar for clergy or whatever they, you know, have, you have in a diocese that does that, if they were reflecting and discerning the strengths, the giftedness um, of each priest and looking at each parish, then you, yeah, you wouldn't get that problem that you say. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's a real need, um, an urgent need, I would, I would even say, for, for diocesan leadership to, to make sure they know what their vision is 
and for that then to to reflect itself in the appointments of clergy. You know, Ron, to 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 digress and you know, you know I love rattling on. So just just pull the plug <laughs> if I say too much. <laughs> um, you know, I remember being in the seminary, and so I was an older seminarian, of course. I was more mature. And the 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 bishops conference in Southern Africa were looking at different models of seminary formation. Because we were the old archaic, you know, big big drafty seminary corridors and things. And we had this big meeting with uh, the bishops who were involved in planning and reflecting and thinking and dreaming up with, with the seminarians. And there were all sorts of ideas being thrown around. And eventually I put up my hand and I said, you know, my Lord Bishop, I said, um, this is all rather pointless until you tell us what your vision of priesthood is for Southern Africa. What kind of priests do you want? What kind of priests do you want to fulfill the vision, the mission of, of the church in Southern Africa? Once we know what your goal is, what product, if you like, of priest you would like to produce, then we can look at how to get that. But we can, if we if we don't know what kind of priest the bishops would like to see in their diocese fulfilling the work and the role and the vision and the mission that they have, we're not going to come up with a system. We need to know that first. Oh, yes, Brett, very good idea. Yeah, excellent. Good, good observation. Well, of course, that went nowhere. But anyway... <laughs> I think I think those are the sorts of things bishops uh, need to spend more time on, reflecting yeah. on what is the vision, the mission of their diocese, and what kind of priests do they want, do they need to achieve that? Right, and yeah. then look at who goes where, who assists whom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so it's a, it's all that is part of such a bigger picture here, Ron. Um, appointment of clergy is, is, is surely must be determined on what kind of diocese is happening. You know, and I know I know several people who are on those committees, and I'm sure they're listening, going, "Yeah, easy for you guys to say," <laughs> because they're looking at all these churches that are some are doing better than others. You know, they're pulling them together because they don't have enough priests. You know, some priests are literally getting burnt out because this, you know, uh, men, you know, mental illness is through the roof right mm. now. Addictions are high. I'm not just mm. talking priests. I'm talking in the general population. Generally, so, yeah. therefore, it, it impacts the priesthood too. And, um, and they have limited resources. Mm. And it's like, man, like, there aren't a lot of priests that have the energy, the passion, the zeal the capacity, the, the, the openness to learn new things, to be able to go in a different direction to get different results. Because mm. just doing maintenance is exhausting in the mm. Roman Catholic Church. Mm. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it is what it is. So mm. I think some of these people, I think they are trying their best to discern, but I think it makes it so hard. I think part of the problem is we try to treat everybody the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the truth is, I think if you can have three ridiculously successful churches in your diocese, mm. 
Mm. I bet you don't. And um, why don't you make that your goal? Instead of trying to make everybody 10% better, why don't you make three people 100% better? Yeah. And then why don't those become the, the, the actual practical places where priests and, and seminarians can go to, to see what success looks like, feels like, tastes like. And they can become these hub resource churches for their, the churches in their area versus mm. let's just take the limited resources we have, give everybody a little bit, and nobody's any further ahead than before. And we just keep sinking. I'm thinking, point your resources, be intentional, keep some people there for an indefinite period of time, as long as they're being fruitful and let that be the practical place where you take this theological learning, this, this intellectual learning, this academic learning, and then you have a place where you can go, where you get applied learning Mm. and, and not just from the priest, but a whole structure of leadership that knows how to speak into people. Uh, You know, to me, that's, I don't, I don't know any other way for, for a diocese to succeed than that. Um, And that's the drum I always, Mm -hmm. that I always am on. It's like, I bet you I'll double dog dare you to create three churches that are unbelievable in your diocese. I don't care how big it is. I double Mm -hmm. dog dare you like, you know, make that your goal. And then if you can do three, like that would be crazy to find what success looks like. How are you measuring that? Mm-hmm. you know, and then keep them there and then mm-hmm. try to get four yeah, and then try to get five. But instead we say, okay, we have 52 churches in the diocese. Hmm. Yeah. Let's make them all go in this direction. Cause this will work. It's like, no, it's never worked. Yeah. It reminds me of um, a quote I read once. Um, Albert Einstein apparently said, you know, he, he, he gathers that, uh, the human person only uses about 10% of their brain. And so someone commented, wow, imagine if we could use 100%. And Albert Einstein said, imagine if we could just use 20%. (laughs) Yeah, look what we've done with 10%. Imagine if we could just use 20% what we could do we don't need to get a hundred percent? You know that that's almost pie in the sky sort of stuff. Eh? You're always you're always going to get you know outliers, uh, deadbeats, uh, failures. You, that's it's going to happen. Of course, of course. Yep. We, we're human. The church is human. But yeah, if we could just, as you say, just focus on just a little bit more. What we could do, huh? Uh, if we've done all yeah. this with just <laughs> very little, yeah. imagine because we're in a different more. season, right? Like we spent a season in the church, like bringing the gospel to the world, and I think we've done that. Now mm-hmm. we're still doing that, of course. However, now we're reawakening the stuff that's rotting. Like so, we've put all these structures in place that are are no longer seem relevant to the culture. Mm-hmm. And that, so we're trying to figure that out. And that's not easy. That's a whole different problem to solve. Yeah. You know, that's, and we're still, you know, training people the same way and stuff and doing the same things, expecting results from a hundred years ago. It's like, why? That's, that's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's tricky. But, but, you know, one of the things that, and I think, you know, you just talked about earlier and I just want to go back to it and then we'll move on. But, you know, the whole idea of placement and, you know, do we know the, gifts of the priests and the areas, but we don't even have a language for that. Like we don't have a common language, even within a diocese Mm. to have an intelligent conversation around that. We might have gut feelings. We might have some, 
words that we use, but we don't have a common deep understanding of gifts, skills, charisms, and leadership. Mm. And, and until we develop internally that type of language so that when we say a word, we mean the same thing, mm. how are we going to be able to discern well these types of placements that you're talking about? And so I think that's some of the, you know, from a diocesan perspective, we can step back. If we lean into that instead mm. of just continuing to do the same thing all the time, I think we can maybe take a step forward in that area, but my experience is there yeah. is not a common language that is sufficient to make those types of combined collective decisions well and consistent. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think perhaps because those in leadership haven't been taught to do that, um, and they haven't. It hasn't become a habit. I think you know Pope Francis with this with the synod, you know, journeying together. I think I think the Holy Father's main focus is let's learn to discern. Let's learn to uh, listen to the Spirit. Listen to one another. Um, I, th- I think the Church is not good at that, and I think the the structures that we have that have come down to us over the centuries in many ways has almost hampered or squashed or pushed out discerning the spirit and discerning gifts. Um, And I mean, you know, uh, Ron, and I'm sure all your listeners do, eh? that simple apest discernment that we find in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. eh? It's scriptural. It's so easy. It's so basic. Anybody, including a halfwit like me, knows how to do this. And it's it's it, and yet over time, over the church's history, we, we've stopped doing that. We've stopped yeah. discerning those things. They were obviously doing it in the um in the early church. St. Paul speaks of those, those gifted gifts that the Spirit gives. Uh, for leadership, for shepherding, for teaching, for all those things. And and we've grown blind or deaf to those things. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think we need to discern more. I think we need to listen more. Uh, we need to be open. Um, we need to trust a little bit more that the Spirit will lead us. Maybe it's over bumps and valleys and all sorts of things, but will lead us to a better place. We've got to trust that. We've got to believe that. And I think perhaps people in leadership, myself included, we're scared of that. We're afraid of those things. We want to have the answers. We want to make sure it works. We don't want to upset or hurt or go down the wrong path. But I think I think the example of the Holy Father with the Synod is calling us to, to, um, to risk a little bit more and to try to be more open um, and not maybe to have all the answers but maybe just to listen to one another. And I think the more we do that, the more we will be able to discern the gifts of priests, bishops, mm. and lay people for leadership and and roles within you know, different ministries in the church. Yeah. But it's, 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 you've got to have guts. Yeah, yeah. Really do. Just recently I was in a, doing another uh, cohort learning session. Somebody was talking about kind of having a, one of those open forms, uh, town halls. And I'm not a huge fan of those. 
<laughs> they could devolve. I'm not saying people shouldn't do them and people don't do them well. I'm just not a fan of them. Mm. And, um, you know, because in some sense, my experience has been that, you know, a lot of people want things to be easier. Mm. And that's not easy doesn't serve the goal of impact. Mm. And so, you know, I think it was Henry Ford who said, you know, if I would have asked people who were driving a horse and buggy what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, but instead I built them a car. Mm. And so I said, Mm. I gave that exact quote and I loved Father Tony came back and he thought for a second and he said, well, he said, I'm going to push back on that a little bit or he said it differently, but he said, you know, he's talking about the Senate and in his country, they've just they were already doing a national uh, synod. And so this is fit right into what they were mm. already doing. And he just gave testament to this group discernment, this listening on the Holy Spirit and how profound it's been and how helpful it's been. And he said, I'm not so sure that we don't have to take more time to listen. And boy, did I ever feel convicted in that moment. Cause basically what I was saying is that ah, don't ask, just drive forward. But I also realized upon further reflection is that's because everything that we do, like everything I teach into everything we did at St. Benedict Parish was synodal in its very nature. Yeah. Like the fact that a priest works out of a leadership team and you meet for like two, three hours every single week. What's happening? You're listening. Then Alpha, what happens at Alpha? People are sitting around the table listening to one another. Then they go into connect groups. What happens at connect groups? People share and learn and listen. Then we have leadership summits. What do they do? They teach, they reflect, they listen. We built an entire church on the synodal process. and Everything that we teach into is is to... make that a lived reality, not just an event, a blip in history in the last 50 years of the church. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and so if we can run dioceses like that, if we can run churches like that, I think that's a game changer. And that's what I love trying to help people yeah. do because yeah. it yeah. changes everything. Yeah, so we've had, we've had, I was asked by the Archbishop to chair the Synod implementation team here in the Archdiocese of Durban. And so with a, with a group of, of uh, priests for the first section, and then we're going to move on to expanding the group to have uh, lay people involved as well. But the initial planning and things, um, we, we, we've spoken about, uh, listening circles. So we use the term listening circles here in our archdiocese for the synod uh, uh, consultation and reflection. And, you know, <clears throat> implementing it in my own parish, obviously I have the, ba- because I'm because I'm the leader of the team of the diocese, I've got it somewhere in the back of my mind. And I, but, you know, as... As I've seen it roll out here in my own parish, and I've, 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 the laity, the leadership team, and the PPC are the ones driving that. So I'm sort of looking at it rather than being involved in it. All those, those principles that you've just said are clearly evident. And for a parish that's been trying, I'm not saying we're a very successful parish, but, but trying to live those principles. All these things are like, 
yeah, we know what's going on. We know this. We can do this. This is okay. And, you know, the, the three sub-themes of, of the synod. Um, so the journeying together is the main theme the Holy Father has given us. But he has three sub-themes there. Communion, participation, and mission. Is that not the whole focus of everything that we're trying to do with, as you say, Alpha, divine renovation, transformation of parishes. Um, those are exactly... So I sort of look at my teams here in the parish trying to... And they're like, yeah, this is easy, Father. This is great, Father, because we've been doing it for five years now. Uh, I think some other parishes are battling a little bit. But, you know, so for me, this convicts me, this synod thing convicts me of the action of the Spirit. You know, yes. if you go back and read the Pope's uh, uh, exhortation, Joy of the Gospel, huh? and you see all that. that he's written since, and you consider the work of uh, divine renovation, your own work too now, um, Alpha, all those things are, are taking us completely in this path, as you say, of synodality, of working together, of listening. Um, uh, yeah, so for me, this Synod 2023 is, is just part of a bigger picture, and it's a natural Movement. progression, I think. Uh, so I know there are clergy, and there'll be many clergy around the world listening to this thinking, yeah, this Synod, a crock, you know, it's an... It's a waste of time. Who's going to be interested? Nobody. But for us who are, say, we're committed to mission, transforming parishes, um, using principles of Alpha and those things, we can't be saying that. This must, the synod must fill us with real hope and enthusiasm and joy, and we must want to do this. Um, if, if the synod is, if we're sort of cynical and rather, you know, unenthusiastic, I wonder where we truly are with parish transformation and renewal. Yeah. And I would even say in our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you given up hope? And, yeah. and it's understandable when people give up hope. Oh, yes. Yeah. I understand yeah, I do too. when people get cynical. I understand all those things. Yeah. And, and and I pray that, you know, I've probably been in those situations at different times in my life. Mm. And boy, they're not happy places to no. be. You don't you don't think highly of yourself when you're there. You don't choose to be there. You don't want to stay there. Oftentimes you don't know how to get out of there. Mm. And so if there's anybody listening that you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know, I'm feeling a little heavy in my ministry in the last, you know, year or two, or, and maybe I don't have the joy I used to have. And I, you know, I just want you to know there's no judgment here. Like we, we love you. God loves you. We pray mm -hmm. for you. And, and there is hope. And so don't give up, you know, find somebody who, who can be mentor to you yeah. and, and don't give up because, you know, that's a that's a dangerous place to be as a leader because people feed off the energy of the leader, not just your theology and, mm. and, and the way you do, you know, your liturgy. It's bigger than that. People can tell when you're yeah. when you're hurting and, and, and stuck and Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I'm going to just that APEST you mentioned earlier, I'm going to put a link to that Alan Hirsch's work and um, yeah. I'm going to put a coupon code in there for people too. It's really, it's a great read. Other part, we're going to have you on again because <laughs> I just love talking to you. I think <laughs> as long as this podcast has been, we talked just about that long before we even hit the record button. <laughs> and uh, we just might talk that long after, who knows? But I, I just appreciate you so much. I, I really do. I, I Your zeal inspires me. Your honesty inspires me. Your willingness to learn inspires me. And I'm just really grateful for your priesthood and your yes. So thank you. Thanks, Ron, very much. It's uh, it's encouraging and great to hear those sorts of uh, compliments and words and things. But, um, yeah, I, I do it because Jesus has called me to do it. Huh? I believe that firmly. Um, and yeah, so that's what gives me the passion. Um, and and it's people like yourself and so many others around the world and in my own parish, in my own diocese, that also encourage me and strengthen me. And yeah, when I'm down, as you say, when you get into those dark negative places, which happen to all of us, um, is people like yourself and the work you do that encourages encourages me and makes me get up and face the day and face the craziness again. So thanks for all that you do, Ron. And it's, uh, it's, it is, as you say, a real joy. I, I, I too enjoy speaking to you and hearing your ideas and your passion too. So thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I'm, I'm really grateful. As am I. God bless you, my friend. Cheers, Lee Ron. God bless you too. Hey, bye-bye. I am Catholic, just as much as Jesus is Jewish. My passion for what I do comes out of who I am and the call that God placed on my heart over 40 years ago. I do get frustrated when I see people leave the faith, priests struggling in their priesthood, lay leaders quitting, dysfunction crippling a parish or a diocese. I get frustrated because I care deeply for the church and the impact it's called to have. And I'm guessing that is a care that you have as well. I pray for the people I serve and have served every single day, but I've not been praying for you, the listeners. It didn't dawn on me to do that. Well, that's going to change starting today. You are officially on my prayer list. Thank you for listening in. Please take the time to rate the podcast five stars. It makes a big difference. And if you're able to leave a comment, that means a lot to me as well. Until next week. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.